Monday, May 10th, and time for a We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you and your attention with me this morning and whenever you're listening to the podcast. We're going to talk about a new era in Blue Jackets hockey, a new logo, nickname, who knows, for Columbus Crew, a little Ohio State basketball news with the end of a recruiting saga, and what is on my mind this morning as I ponder news of the world and uh, what my Bible study this morning tells me. So thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome to continue to listen to the podcast. And I have had someone who weighed in on the faith portion of the podcast tell me that it's too long. Now, I would not take that as... um, gospel if it were somebody who didn't listen to the faith portion of the podcast, but it is somebody who does, and so I'm going to try to make my point a little bit quicker at the end of the podcast, and that'll take a little bit less of your time uh, as you invest in listening, so uh, hopefully today I'll be able to accomplish that. So thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it very, very much. Let's start with uh, the first sponsor read, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. You know HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Repeat customers, Love you guys. Thanks so much. You're the reason Hemisphere continues to advertise on the podcast. Just remember, it's a great ministry and business together. Business and ministry together. They call it BAM. It does a great job. BAM has at least the implication of impact. They're making an impact around the world. If you want to know what you can do for people in other countries, if you're a person that looks at life through a Christian prism and you think, well, I wish I could do something, well, drink Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee because they buy direct from growers. Every bean is handpicked. And uh, they have tons of flavors, tons of different varieties, like medium, dark roast, K-Cups. They've got it all. They'll send it to you whole bean. They'll send it to your roast. They'll send it to you however you want it. And uh, you will love their coffee. I've never met anybody who tried it and went, ah, oh, it's okay. Not great. Not really uh, what I'm looking for. No, everybody loves it. Give it a try. And uh, I would say that uh, you can also you can save 15% when you use the promo code we tackle life in all caps we tackle life in all caps all right big news yesterday uh, i guess it wasn't yesterday i guess it was saturday john tortorella uh, six year run as blue jackets head coach is over uh torch did a really good job okay i'm going to be um, take a long view here rather than um, take a hopefully not too nitpicky a view of john tortorella but i just think this is time you know there's 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 a time uh, – John Tortorella is a very specific kind of a coach. He uh, comes in and notices little compromises, little um, shortcomings in organizations. He instills work ethic. The word I would use to describe John Tortorella is uncompromising. Uncompromising can be a real strength when you are ferreting out laziness, inattention to detail, um, and those kinds of things. Uncompromising can be a detriment when you continue to obsess over things that have no consequence at all, like Josh Anderson holding out for more money. Uh, you coach the team you have in front of you. You don't alienate the team you have in front of you. And too often in his tenure as Blue Jackets head coach, John Tortorella allowed his uncompromising nature to cover every single thing in the organization my struggle is John Tortorella's struggle. Sometimes I should leave things unsaid, leave things unaddressed, and for whatever reason, it is a personal weakness, and it is certainly a weakness that I noticed in Torts, that he um, just proved to be too obsessive about too many things, and I think that it 
it compromised his ability to have the authority on all things because some things he just could not leave alone. I also, I can't tell you whether he is a good tactical coach. I mean, great tactical coach. Of course, he's a good tactical coach or he wouldn't be a coach in the National Hockey League. But it is not something you can uh, ignore when you have a 2-0 lead in a playoff series against the Washington Capitals and you're coming home and you don't win another game. It is not something you can ignore when you are uh, in front of or even with, I forget exactly, the Boston Bruins, 2-1. No, they were up 2-1 on the Boston Bruins and didn't win another game in that series. You just can't do that when you're coming home. You have to finish the job. And that would be, I think, John Tortorella's epitaph as Blue Jackets head coach. He did not finish the job. He definitely started the job. He definitely got a lot of the work on the job done. But it's almost like a guy who built a house and then didn't paint it or didn't side it or didn't put a window in, uh, in the picture window in, in the front. He just kept living there with the board over the front. John Tortorella just could not finish the job. Some of that, I'm sure, is a part of the Jackets' financial reality in that they're not in a major hockey market, even though Columbus supports them pretty well. But I just think that the time has come for the Blue Jackets to seek a different voice and for John Tortorella to go if he's so inclined and use his gifts at another franchise, because I'm sure there are among the 30-some NFL, NHL franchises one that could benefit from him coming in. I think six years is past the shelf life of John Tortorella in any job. I don't think his shelf life is beyond four years anywhere. And he is the all-time winningest American-born coach in the, in the history of the National Hockey League, which is nothing to sneeze at. So I wish him well, but I am excited that the Blue Jackets are going to go in a different direction. And I think even though they won't admit it because what's the point? I can't imagine there's a player in that locker room who goes, boy, I wish Torts was coming back. <laughs> so uh, it's just time. That time comes in every coaching relationship, sometimes uh, longer than six years, sometimes long before six years. I will say this, coaching six years without getting to the second, without getting to the third round is an eternity in the National Hockey League. Uh doesn't feel like it because, you know, maybe some guys coach longer other places, but that's an eternity here. Given the, given the number of coaches who have cycled in and out of here, John Tortorella is the longest tenured coach in Blue Jackets history. I'm sure he's the winningest coach in Blue Jackets history, and he shouldn't be ashamed of anything that he's done here. So, uh, Except skipping the All-Star game to take care of his sick dog. That he should be ashamed of because he had a chance to represent the Blue Jackets on the national stage, and he, he whiffed out on that one. Okay, so no more dog talk on WBNS with uh, John Tortorella and Anthony Rothman. Hopefully for A-Roth's sake, they will find another coach who loves dogs as much as torts. But I will miss uh, Poochie Patter, uh, Doggy Talk, or whatever they called it there on the fan with uh, with torts. <laughs> uh, see, there it is. There's something I should have left unsaid, and I didn't. Okay, see? I struggle. Sorry. Uh, but I love Anthony. It's just a Tortorella. Ugh, the dog talk got a little tedious for me. Okay, uh, let's go. I'm sure sponsor reads get tedious for you, so I'll try to keep them short, but plant the seed. 
Willis Spangler Starling, my attorney firm. Why would they not be your attorney firm? They're such great people, and they're so good at what they do, and they care so much, and they're just down to earth. You don't have to worry about, you know, all the things that may intimidate you about going into a law firm. Uh, do they have a big oak table in their boardroom? Eh, I don't know if it's oak. They got a big table. When you want a big table, you want big table, big chairs. They've got that. You want people who know you on a first name basis. They got that. And you want people who will understand that the courts are common to them, familiar environment, nothing to be afraid of. For you, pretty intimidating. They understand that, and they'll shepherd you through the process. They're awesome. Workers' comp cases, employment law cases, Social Security Administration cases, personal injury, wills estate planning, probate, all the things that you want in an attorney firm, they have it. So. Don't forget my friends at Willis Spangler Starling. All right, so I got a text yesterday from a friend in Cleveland, and he's like, "What's what's wrong with the what's wrong with crew or what's uh, what's intim what's what what did he say? It was something about what's something controversial or something about crew." And I'm like, "I don't know." And so yesterday, uh, word leaks that the crew, uh, the Major League Soccer team in town, is unveiling a new logo and it's quote leaked nothing leaks unless you want it to so they're testing the temperature which is fine of their new logo so i read about it today and it's uh it's it's a kind of a rebrand they're kind of going to want to go with columbus sc instead of crew sc uh so my buddy asked me what this is about and you always in this culture have to first of all at least examine it through the woke lens right is crew, how could crew be spun to be hateful toward any group? I don't know. Is it is, is crew seen as like a gang thing? Is it glorifying gang violence? I don't know. I don't keep track of all this semantical nonsense out there. I have no way of knowing exactly what this is. I have not talked to um, Dr. Pete Edwards, the co-owner of the crew, and a longtime friend of mine and a fantastic surgeon, orthopedic one, if you need any. Uh, orthopedic work done. They're tremendous. That's where all the Hooli family goes and where Hoolies tell all their friends to go. Orthopedic one. Uh, but what do I think this is? What I think this is, is the Haslams and the crew, because Jimmy and D Haslam owner of the Browns are the other co-owners of the crew. I think it's a, I think it's a marketing opportunity given the euphoria over the crew winning the MLS Cup last year and opening a beautiful new stadium in downtown Columbus this July. And I think it's like, hey, why don't we create like some new spin on our logo, our name, not colors because they're staying with yellow and black. That would have been a mistake to change from that because it's very distinctive. I just think they like, hey, people are excited about the crew. They're excited about our stadium. Let's give them a whole bunch of new logoed merchandise to buy. And so that's what they're doing. That would be my guess. Uh, what Whether I like it or not, immaterial. Uh, I would have tightened up the Crew 96 logo, the one that leaked. I would have buried that 96 in the middle of the letters uh, R and E on the logo. But whatever, it's I'm sure they hired. They didn't hire somebody from Fiverr.com to do that logo. They paid big bucks for that. Um, I'm sure that the letter or the little lines on the 96. 96 is when the team was founded, so they're going to keep 96 in the logo somewhere. 
uh, and the nine and the six have a certain symmetry to them, so it makes a nice uh, visual. I'm sure all those little lines in there are probably meant to mirror the scaffolding or some kind of look of the architecture on the new stadium, which is a nice touch. So I got nothing bad to say about it. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't brand the team Columbus. This may be an initiative from the city, which is partnered with the crew to give them the land and sell them the land at you know rock bottom prices or a fair price or whatever. It may be a push from the MLS to let's get the names of the towns in our teams as opposed to you know uh, a nickname. Um, so, but everybody knew the crew as Columbus Crew, so I don't understand why. Columbus had to be uh, prioritized over crew because it kind of already was. But I don't have a virulent objection to it. I think that it's um, a marketing opportunity and nothing more. So there we go. Speaking of marketing opportunities, no, not another sponsor read. News finally on the signing of Efton Reed, the center from IMG Academy. Ooh, talk about your marketing opportunities. Efton Reed signed with LSU, L dollar sign U. Congratulations with a dollar sign and the S on congratulations to Will Wade on his late push with a dollar sign for the S in push to sign with a dollar sign for the S in sign, Efton Reed. What a joke. Efton Reed recruited by Pitt, Virginia, and Ohio State for three years, oh, big announcement coming, and then, whoa, no announcement today. And, oh, by the way, Florida State and LSU are both in the mix now, with the S being a dollar sign in both those cases. And shocker of shockers, Will Wade, still the coach at LSU after making a, <laughs> during the FBI wiretap thing, talking about, Will Wade and all the strong bleep offers he made to recruits. Yeah, what a the NCAA basketball infractions committee is a joke. Sean Miller kept kept his job for like two years after that broke. Bill Self has a lifetime contract. Will Wade is still at LSU. What kind of they got these guys on tape? They got him on tape. All the noise around Zion Williamson and all the people who have said Zion Williamson got paid by Nike and all this. And oh, are we going to take anything away from Duke? Of course not, because this has always been the NCAA's way. The greatest quote ever about the NCAA is from the late Jerry Tarkanian at UNLV, who said the NCAA when Kentucky was caught with the money falling out of the Emory Air Freight envelope for Sean Mills. <laughs> Jerry Tarkanian famously said something along the lines of, the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they're going to throw the book at Cleveland State. Yeah, Cleveland State got bang, smashed, blottoed by the NCAA for recruiting Manute Bowl. Uh Wow. I mean, just this is what a joke. And the NCAA will be like the four monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, do nothing. Efton Reed to LSU. Hey, Efton, I hope you got paid a lot. I hope you held out for a strong bleep offer from LSU. There's no way that kid's not getting paid to play college basketball. No chance. 
And hey, when you make that compromise, you know what? It's like the old joke, the woman at the bar. And the guy says to her, hey, will you sleep with me for a million bucks? Sure. Will you sleep with me for five bucks? No. What do you think I am, a hooker? We've already established what you are. We're just negotiating the price. So we've already established what LSU is when it comes to basketball recruiting. And Will Wade is because Will Wade's own words on the tape hung him. And Mark Emmert and the NCAA are jokes. But if you're Chris Holtman, if you're Tony Bennett, if you're anybody who tried to recruit Efton Reed the old-fashioned way, legally, without cheating, and you don't get him, well, you know what? You don't leave with a top 25 center and a five-star guy, but you leave with your integrity. and You can look in the mirror and realize that you didn't compromise your standards because the journey to a bad place in life is not one giant leap. It's a thousand tiny steps. So don't take the first step with Efton Reed. Don't take the first step with anybody because pretty soon you'll find yourself in a place where you'll go, how in the world did I wind up here? And you'll say, oh, I had to have that kid, right? Jim Tressel, if he makes the right phone call to Gene Smith after he gets the email about Terrell Pryor, names his own exit strategy at Ohio State. It's a temptation that we all succumb to in life. I've succumbed to it too. Just this one time. You know, there's a famous uh, episode of MASH that's always stuck with me. Hawkeye and BJ are, uh, you know, they're at the front at the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, and they're dealing with a colonel who's just bloodthirsty, and he cares nothing about his men. All he cares about is taking Hill 54 in this grand, you know, Korean conflict. And so he just throws caution to the wind and just makes his guys rush the enemy with no consequence of casualties or anything like that. And they just look at this guy as a butcher, and they look at this guy as like sacrificing young men just for his own ego. And so Hawkeye decides when this guy comes in for some unrelated, you know, minor malady, he's going to slip him a Mickey in his drink to give him uh, gastrointestinal cramps, and he's going to take the guy's appendix out. Even though it's a healthy appendix, he's going to take the guy's appendix out to get him off the line, and he'll get replaced in his command by somebody else. And BJ's like, you can't do that. Like, you can't take a guy's appendix out. It's a perfect appendix. There's nothing wrong with it. And Hawkeye's like, I'm going to get this guy off the line. I'm going to save these young kids' lives. And BJ's like, you can't compromise your integrity as a doctor. Doctors don't take out healthy organs. Doctors take out sick organs. You can't live with yourself if you do this. And Hawkeye's like, I can't live with myself if I don't. And so Hawkeye operates, and BJ refuses to assist him. BJ's sitting in their hut, the swamp, and Hawkeye takes the appendix out and he and he and he and he like mopes back into the tent because he's now he's feeling all the uh regret and he's got this internal conflict where he feels like he did the right thing to save human life but he knows he did the wrong thing in terms of his integrity and character and he walks in the swamp and BJ just lets him walk in and he looks at him and he goes so and Hawkeye knows he's asking him, like, so, how did the operation go? And Hawkeye says, it was pink and perfect, and I threw it in the scrap bucket, meaning the guy's appendix. And BJ pauses for a little bit, and he says, radar just came in. 
Radar O'Reilly. We're getting wounded in five minutes. And Hawkeye's in no mental state to go back into the operating room and operate on young kids and save, try to save their life from injuries at the front. And Hawkeye goes, five minutes? And just then, the announcement comes over the loudspeaker. Wounded arriving. You know, everybody to the helipad. And BJ looks at Hawkeye and he says, you treated a symptom. The disease goes merrily on. And that's what happens if you're Ohio State or Virginia or Pitt and you decide, well, I'm going to outbid LSU for this kid and I'm going to get him and I'm going to show him. The only thing you do is you compromise your own integrity. And that's how we do with every compromise in life. So I applaud Holtman and Tony Bennett and whoever the heck the coach is at Pitt <laughs> because LSU's not going anywhere with Efton Reed because when you, re when, you, when you have to use those kinds of methods to get a kid, I know I'm making a lot of wild accusations. Will, re Will Wade is on tape talking about paying kids. What a joke. He's allowed to still be the coach at LSU. What a joke. He's still allowed to swoop in at the last minute. Oh, wow. Oh, Efton Reed. It's not like this kid like hatched out of an egg and all of a sudden became a five-star center. Ohio State's been after this kid for three years. So am I bitter Ohio State didn't get him? Not really. Because that kind of a kid, he's not going to be happy coming in, sharing minutes in the front court with E.J. Liddell, Kyle Young, Joey Brunk, and others. I'll roll with people of integrity always. Always. So there you go. That's my take on that. Okay. Uh, speaking of people of integrity, um, there's very few of them in the CBD industry. That's why you should buy your CBD from CBD Health Collection because Rick and Ashley and their family, they got into this business because they really want to help people, but because they also would not compromise their standards when it came to how to remove the CBD from the plant. There are a lot of CBD companies that charge less for their product. Here's why they charge less. Because they don't undertake the expensive, safe method of extracting CBD from the plant. They use hazardous chemicals like butane is a shortcut to fire up the whatever the process is to get that CBD out of the plant, the cheap, the bad companies. So guess what? When you use their CBD, you're getting traces of butane and other toxic chemicals with the CBD. You're not getting the highest level of CBD because that compromises the CBD when they extract it. Are you getting a little CBD? Yeah. Are you paying less for it? Yeah. It's not as good. They mine the CBD from it cheaper. So, you know, you want to buy a product to be good to your body, take away your inflammation and your pain. You don't want to put something toxic in your body, I wouldn't think. So... You got to make a decision. You want to pay a little bit more? Get the best product? Higher quality CBD? Safe? If so, CBDHealthCollection.com. I can't imagine you'd rather go with anybody else. CBDHealthCollection.com. I love the warming salve. My daughter loves the freeze gel. I take their uh, nighttime CBD so I can sleep through the night. They have a lot of products. Go to their website. Browse their website. See what they have. Use the promo code BRUCE to save 15% off at cbdhealthcollection.com, cbdhealthcollection.com, promo code BRUCE. 
Okay, uh, my last sports comment of the day before we get into the faith portion of the podcast. I see where Mary Kay Cabot wrote a story that the Browns are not interested in trading for Aaron Rodgers. This was a creation of ESPN trying to find the best seven landing spots for Aaron Rodgers. It's fine. It's an off-season, you know, occupy people's attention story. It's It's a decent story. Mary Kay says she's checked with the Browns. They're not interested. Dumb. You want to win a Super Bowl? I, I assume that's the goal. Aaron Rodgers can win you a Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield, at this point in his career, he can't come as close to winning you a Super Bowl as Aaron Rodgers. I'd give up Baker Mayfield and two ones, and if they wanted David Njoku, I'd throw that in too, but you'd have to give me like a third-round pick, but that's like Shark Tank arguing over 5% equity. If they wanted David Njoku, I'd give them David Njoku because I got Austin Hooper. So, I, I you know, I the Browns think they can win it all with Baker Mayfield. Good luck. He's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. He's not as good as pa- as Tom Brady. You know, he's not. He's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. Teams that have better quarterbacks are always going to have an edge on you. And the Browns window, it's not it doesn't extend forever. I know. Nick Chubb's young, Miles Garrett's young. They got Denzel Ward's young. You got a lot of guys they're drafting. You like uh, Owusu Koromoa. You like all these young guys they're drafting. You like Greg Newsom. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. Your quarterback is too emotional, runs too hot. Could he get on a hot streak and, streak and win a Super Bowl? Sure. If Joe Flacco could. Anybody can. If Trent Dilfer could, anybody can. But they had a chance last year against Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes out of the game, and Baker couldn't get it done. So, Okay. Teams that rarely get to the playoffs, and the Browns have been that kind of a team for a long time until last year. I guess you figure we're close. It is a quintessentially Cleveland thing, as I mentioned in the last podcast, to overrate the people they have. The Indians, for years, have had a bunch of AAA and a half players. A bunch of them. Andy Marte, Matt Laporta, Jody Garrett. On and on and on and on and on. We love them. Uh, you know, uh, Bradley Zimmer, this guy, that guy. Oh, we love them. We love them. They're really going to be good. They just got a little bit better. Mm-mm, they don't. When you get close, you go out and get uh, Robbie Alomar. You go out and get Oral Hershiser. <laughs> you go out and get guys who have done it. And Aaron Rodgers has done it. So have fun, Browns. You must enjoy getting your heart broken. I don't enjoy getting my heart broken. I'd trade for Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat. All right, very good. With that, remember, speaking about integrity and character again, auiinfo.com. We're going to get into the faith portion of the podcast now. And um, in the faith portion of the podcast, I'm going to talk about not relying on your own wisdom. Okay. Before I get into that, auiinfo.com is a source of wisdom for you business owners. For instance, it's a logical conclusion to think, well, I'm in business. I have a small business, two to 50 employees. I'd like to have the buying power of a big business. So I'm going to partner with other businesses and we'll pool our resources and we'll get a chamber of commerce, health plan, disability, vision, dental, all that. And I'll get a better plan for my employees. Good thought. But you would probably assume you'd have to have the chamber plan in your area. And you'd probably assume you have to be a member of that chamber. Well, this is where wisdom comes in. AUINFO.com will tell you that the law says, which that's the only thing that matters, you can belong to any chamber 
and have access to any chamber plan. Could I belong to the Toledo Chamber for $500 a year and get the Cincinnati Chamber plan? Yes, you could. Then why am I joining the Columbus Chamber for, let's say, $2,500? I don't know because you're not listening to the podcast and you're not availing yourself of auiinfo.com's free consultation on their website via chat. You don't even have to talk to anybody. Type it in. Ask them. Let them go to work for you. auiinfo.com. Individuals, you're still in open enrollment. Joe Biden can't wait to enroll you in some kind of government health plan. So take advantage of it. Look and see what you're paying. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it's free. A lot of things are free now. auiinfo.com. Type your question into their chat. They'll answer it for you. Boom. Away you go. Off and running. auiinfo.com. So I sat down this morning pondering something that's going to happen tonight at 5.30 p.m. It's May the 10th. Uh, the uh, My local school board is meeting at 5.30 p.m., and I have a friend who will be going to that meeting. She's a very gentle soul. A very diminutive woman. She's going to that meeting and she's going to be standing up for scriptural truth. Uh, my local school district, like many local school districts now, is being bombarded with this idea of teaching critical race theory and the inherent evil of uh, whiteness. Uh, she's going to be standing up for the fact that this is an erroneous theology and she has been there to a previous meeting and has been vilified online and to her face by many others. She is a woman of great courage, and I am asking you to pray tonight at 5.30 for her. You don't need to know her name. Um, Just pray for that board meeting. Pray for Bruce's friend tonight at 5.30. Maybe put a notification in your phone to do that. So this morning before I sat down and dug into my Bible, I checked my text messages and I was led to a story on Google News Alerts and it was talking about the same kinds of issues that we have been struggling with in our nation here for a while related to race relations. And I have been thinking a lot about this. I have been praying a lot about this because I really want to uh, strengthen the Christian community and enlighten the Christian community on how we should meet this kind of theology. It is a theology. Um, it is. Uh, it has its own uh, saints. <laughs> it has its own uh, dogma. It has its own uh, sloganeering in Scripture. Uh, you know, lots of ideas are repeated, and it is all of it a an encouragement, an enticement to depart from the truth of Scripture, which is that God loves all of us the same. God made his son Jesus' redemption available to all of us individually, and he calls each of us to individual repentance for our individual sin. And he does not love white people more than black people or Hispanic people or Asian people. God makes redemption and salvation available to all. So I read this story about um, violence in a certain against a certain ethnic group. And when I read the story, there were a lot of well-meaning organizations that are trying to raise the self-esteem of people in this particular ethnic group. They are they are um, making a lot of blanket statements about how how people view this ethnic group, 
about how they view youth in this ethnic group, how these youth are sexualized, how these youth are uh, disadvantaged, and all these kinds of things. And I don't dispute that um, our youth are under attack. Our world is in a world war. The world war is good against evil. Now, I understand if you're not a Christian, you will not put any stock in anything I'm saying in this faith portion of the podcast. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people who profess to have a faith in Christ. Because why? Because for us to win this battle, we are going to have to infuse, enliven, and energize people of faith to have the courage to speak truth like my friend is going to do tonight at 5.30. Eventually, we will have to bring others in and we will have to relate to people in a non-biblical way, in a truth way, until they come to faith or we'll try to have to win that argument with uh, non-faith things. Obviously, I would not expect a person who does not believe in Jesus to listen to biblical wisdom. You have, if, you're a, if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, I'll have to relate to you in another way. Right now, I'm talking to Christians. And when I see ethnic groups described in generalities, the youth uh, talked about as though they're uh, being, uh, as a group, sexualized or stereotyped or whatever, what I see in that is a great deal of enabling dysfunctional behavior. We excuse people's personal choices because we blame their struggles, their dysfunction on things outside their control or outside the influence of the people closest to them. So I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking that to awaken Christians to this, it is very clear in the Bible, if you label yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus, then you are by definition saying, I prioritize the Word of God, Scripture, as objective truth, and I humble myself and submit myself to that objective truth. Okay, what is that objective truth in terms of raising our kids, raising our families, being productive citizens in the world. Well, the Bible is full of a legion of directions and wisdom in that area. The Bible lays out that marriage is between a man and a woman. The Bible lays out how men are to sacrifice their lives for their wives, how wives are to minister to their husbands, how fathers are not to exasperate their children, but to bring them up in the nurture, motherhood, and admonition, discipline, fatherhood of the Lord. God ordains certain gifts, certain roles, and certain responsibilities for parents, and he sets forth certain expectations for children. One of the commandments, the first one with a cause attached to it, honor your father and mother so it may go well with you as their child. Honoring does not mean always obeying, but it does mean honoring them in some way, shape, or form. For instance, if your father's trying to sexually abuse you, you don't have to go along with that to still honor him 
in some other way, okay? But, you know, you can obviously put up a blockade to things that are not of God. You always have to view everything through what God says. As we have gotten away in our society from our marriages and our families being structured the way God ordains it in Scripture, well, then we have relied on what? If we're not going to rely on God's wisdom, we are going to rely on our human wisdom, right? Oh, I know how this is. No, marriage is not just a man and a woman. It's two men. It's two women. It's three men. It's this. So we have our own wisdom because it feels right to us, okay? So this is what I was thinking about today. And as I said, um, the Bible is full of wisdom on how to live our life. If you're a Christian, you have said, yes, Lord, I will accept your wisdom, your direction, and I will humbly submit to that. So if we refuse to listen, if we refuse to hear, refuse to submit, refuse to, as Jesus says in Matthew, hold to my teaching, then what's going to happen? Well, the Bible's clear on that too, right? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's saying, you got to hold to my teaching, you know what truth is, and then that truth will guide you. So if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit's voice inside of us, and when you accept Christ as your Savior, you are given, the Bible says, the mind of Christ. You have an ability then to think differently. In 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it is, Paul says the man without the Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you, doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. He can't possibly comprehend the things of the Spirit. How to live your life how to be a good dad, how to be a good mom, how to be a good child, how to be an obedient son or daughter. The man without the Spirit can't understand those things. And so we blame societal ills on, oh, this and that, exterior stuff instead of things, because what does God look at? God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. That's what he told Samuel when he was looking for the next king of the Jews, king of Israel. All these sons of Jesse tall, they're strong, they're buff. And here comes David, ruddy-faced, red hair, maybe a little uh, less physically imposing as the others. And God tells Samuel, him, he's the one. And Samuel's like, he's the youngest. Like, what? And God says, yeah, I know. You look at the outside. God looks at the heart. He knows what's, and what, is, what was David's epitaph? A man after God's own heart. So as long as we choose to rely on our own wisdom, which God says is foolishness to him, Paul writes, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. As long as we rely on our own feelings rather than on the Holy Spirit's leading, and as long as we allow others to define us, why would we do that? Why would you give somebody their opinion of you? Why would you give that weight Oh, you're this because you're Hispanic. Oh, you're this because you're white. Oh, you're this because you're black. Oh, you're this because you're Asian. That's not what God says. What does God say? God says, I love you so much I sent my son to die for you because I want you to spend eternity with me. What's your self-worth in God? It was worth the price of his son's life. What do you care about a slur somebody hurls at you? What do you care about? Why would you give somebody the power to define you and hurt you and label you 
when the God of the universe says, I'm telling you, you're worth the life of my son to redeem you. You got to pay attention to what God says, not to what other people say. So then, of course, it's May 10th, so I'm in Proverbs 10. And in Proverbs 10, it says, The ways of the righteous bring them life, but the income of the wicked brings them punishment. He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. We have a lot of people in our culture now who are not acting righteously. A lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of accusations, a lot of insults, a lot of slurs. That's not acting righteously. God says the income of the wicked brings them punishment. The punishment may just be their internal lack of peace, their internal torment, which results in what? More anger, more rancor, more more violence, more accusations, more labels, more nonsense theology. But he who heeds discipline... And heeding discipline is, Lord, I know you love me. I know you sent my, I know you sent your son to die for me. I know you ordain how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to function as a husband, a wife, a parent, a child. I know, you're telling me how to live like that. I'm going to submit to you. That's a person who heeds discipline. Proverbs 10, 17 says that shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. So if you're listening to a church that's preaching liberation theology to you, if you're in a church that's demonizing people by people groups, if you're in a church that's saying, yeah, you're persecuted and you got to strike back and you got to do this, ask yourself, is that what Jesus did? Is that what Jesus did when they put a crown of thorns on his head and beat him on the back and spit at him and gambled over his clothes? 1 Peter 2.23 says he did not lash out. He trusted himself to him who judges justly. The God of the universe judges justly. Justice doesn't need an adjective, as I've said many times. Social justice, environmental justice, racial justice, gender justice. It's all nonsense. If you you modify the word justice, it's no longer justice, because what the modifier does is it, it pushes one group down to lift you up. You're going to make people pay for what's been done to you. Is that a Christ-like attitude? No. What's been done for you that you should care about? Jesus died on the cross for you. That tells you what you're worth. You accept that. It tells you what you're, where you're headed to eternal life with God. And it, above all else, calls you to submit to God's authority out of gratitude for what Jesus did for you at the cross. So those are my thoughts today. And uh, look, you're going to have to stand up to error. People are going to attack you. But you know what? They're just personifying Satan's effort to ruin people eternally because, as I heard one someone say once, Satan does not care who does the hating. He just wants the hating to get done. So he doesn't care if it's a pastor doing the hating, somebody who claims to be a healer, a uniter, a this, a that. Satan doesn't care. He's more than happy to let them do the hating. You have to equip yourself with the truth. The 
truth only resides in you if you accept Christ as your Savior. Because then you'll have the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ inside you, and you'll be able to discern between truth and error. So I'm passionate about fighting for that because it's not ultimately a battle of black or white or Asian or Hispanic or this or that. It's a battle of good and evil, and it's a battle for an eternity spent in heaven or an eternity spent in hell. There's never been a society ever that departed from God's plan that survived. Not the Romans, not Alexander the Great, not the Mayans, not anybody. And America won't either. America won't either because God is in control. If we continue to go our own stubborn way, America will pay the penalty for that. We will depart from what was a divine founding based upon scriptural truth. So stand for truth. Support my friend in prayer today at 530. Thank you for listening. I love you guys, and I appreciate your time very much. Have a great day.